as a fan, you want some loyalty, right, to your team. You love these guys. You root for them every Sunday. And it stings a little bit when, you know, great players are like, oh, I just don't want to play for the city anymore. I want money elsewhere. Welcome to the 57th episode of Clubhouse Combos. It's your host, Colin Scully. As usual, joined today by my good friends, Connor Newman. How are you doing today, Connor? Great. I just picked up my bagel from Dunks. I'm currently putting cream cheese on it. But Dunks bagels? Over. Gross. No, that's disrespectful. I will say Panera's are top-notch. Yeah, Dunks bagels, I think, are very subpar to all the other breakfast slash bagel era. <laughs> distributors around uh, new england but that's neither here nor there uh dan how are you doing today pretty good uh had pt this morning had class at one o'clock got practice later tonight living life nice no evan today uh he's got a train to catch to go see the celtics nets game tonight very excited for evan very excited for the game um let's jump into some power rankings shall we Absolutely. That's funded. Uh, so no MLB power rankings. I think with the playoffs, it's best to just let it play out. There's no what need to NBA. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, as I look at the MLB, but uh, I think for the NBA, there's no point in updating them as the games kind of come in slowly, but um, you could start with the MLB power rankings. Uh, so coming in at number one, Los Angeles Dodgers staying at the top spot. Uh, then after that, we do have a lot of movement. Uh, the Mets at two, the Toronto Blue Jays at three, San Francisco Giants four, Chicago White Sox five, Atlanta Braves six, St. Louis Cardinals seven, the Tampa Bay Rays eight, Houston Astros nine, the Boston Red Sox 10, the San Diego Padres 11, and the New York Yankees at 12. Um, it, I was talking to Colin about this. I think it's just I didn't feel confident in my rankings just because it's so early. Like, I mean, the the Yankees just lost a series to the Orioles. The Rays just lost a series to the Athletics. Um, it, it's just early, and I think it's it's hard not to overreact in some instances, but we, we really shouldn't be overreacting. So it's kind of hard to make these rankings, and that's really my only takeaway from this. Yeah, uh, I'll add when I was making them, I I wanted to look at my our top 30 rankings, but then I was like, eh. I don't know, because I feel like some teams are definitely playing a little better than they are right now. So I just went um, fresh. But, yeah, it, it was difficult because, like, teams like Atlanta, Philly, like teams that I see making the playoffs, they're below 500 right now. Still, you want to probably include them in your top 12. So, Yeah, I think um, – I mean, at least all our top fives were the same. Not the right order, but the same teams. I feel like those five were – easy picks for me to put in the top five the rest is kind of a wash like I don't have Atlanta in my my top 10 like they split with the Reds which is pretty embarrassing the Nationals had their way with them so like I just couldn't justify putting them in the top 10 over like the Cardinals or even the Astros who haven't come out that hot I still think they deserve to stay up there for now 
But I mean, it's what two weeks in. Who, who fucking knows what will happen? I don't think these power rankings will matter until we get to June, July, when teams have a considerable amount of games under their belt, and you can kind of see who's going to shape out to be a contender and who's not. Definitely. Yeah. With that, do we have any show ones, Dan? We do. I was just about to get there. Wonderful. All right. So NHL, obviously getting closer and closer to the playoffs. Um, so coming in at number one, and it's been number one for a while, the Colorado Avalanche, uh, followed by the Florida Panthers uh, at two, Toronto Maple Leafs three, Calgary Flames four, New York Rangers five, uh, Carolina Hurricanes six, uh, St. Louis Blues seven, Minnesota Wild eight, Boston Bruins nine, the Tampa Bay Lightning 10, Pittsburgh Penguins 11, and the Edmonton Oilers at 12. Um, I guess of note, the blues kind of climbing. Cause it, uh, when Colin sent me the text and had him at his three spot, I was a little surprised. And then come to find out they're on like a 10 game win streak at the time. Uh, obviously they lost either last night or a couple days ago, whatever it was, but, um, I'd say that's probably the significant, uh, team in this power ranking with the amount of movement that they had. Yeah. On the blues front, they did lose last night to Boston. It wasn't overtime. Um, so they still have points and like, I think their last 12 or 13 games. Newman, you did not have them in your top 12. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm looking at that now. I'm not sure why that happens. Um, <laughs> who did I put in over them? Washington. Uh, I don't know, but Washington's actually playing really well, which is why I wanted to make sure I included them. Um, Although not over the blues, so I don't yeah, I don't know why that happened. <laughs> uh I don't really have any other gripes besides that. Yeah, let me I'm curious to look at the capitals because yeah, they beat they beat in the last week, they beat Tampa, Boston, and Colorado. So I felt like they deserved to be in there. Yeah, those are three really good wins. Bruins still at six for you, Newman. Yeah, I mean, I was worried you guys were going to put them way up there. They've lost, like, four of their last six. They haven't looked too hot either. Um, Tampa has looked miserable, so I'm moving them down slowly. But I still have faith in the Bruins. Obviously, you lose Olmark for the foreseeable future. But Swayman has, you know, played admirably the last two games, played really well. So I still like him. Yeah, I'm a little concerned, to be honest. Olmark has definitely been playing better as of late before the injury. Do we know even what the injury is? No idea. I think it's a week-to-week kind of thing, though. Yeah, that will really stink. But, I mean, as Evan likes to point out, uh, teams that flip-flop goalies in the playoffs normally don't have a lot of success, so maybe this will make the decision a little easier for Bruce Cassidy. If Omar's unable to go, it'll just be Swayman, and that'll be that. Which kind of uncomplicates, uncomplicates things a little bit. But I think at this point our top – 12 to 13 teams are pretty much set in stone. Yeah. Next on the agenda is a little NFL news. Um, first real NFL headline we've had in a little bit. It's the, where the fuck's your video guy? There we go. Uh, it's Debo Samuel requesting a trade from the 49ers today. Um, kind of surprising news last night is uh was his cousin commented on some social media thing that they were going to ask for a trade. Um, Jeff Darlington reported about an hour ago that he had officially asked for a trade. Um, what are your thoughts on this? We'll go to Dan, the football guy first. Um, I, I guess like it makes sense. I think the 49ers are smart, are smart 
knowing they really can't afford Debo Samuel if he's really asking for like, I think it's like 25 mil a year. Um, I, I just don't know if it's that good of an investment for as good of a player that Debo is. I just think the 49ers, they could scheme up a lot of things with a lot of players that they could get for $25 million. So it, it makes sense that they're in this standoff. Um, I, I think he's going to go to New York. The Jets have been very aggressive in trying to go after receiving talent. And then you look at Robert Salah came from San Francisco. Um, I, I think it's Mike LaFleur, their offensive coordinator. He's uh, from the Shanahan scheme, came over with Salah. So I think it just makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if I'd give up the 10th pick for him, but if you go that route and then give up a, like a middle middle round type pick, I think that could be your package um, for Debo Samuel. You have a ton of money. You could pay him. I, I think it just makes a lot of sense from a draft pick compensation-wise and then also salary cap-wise for him to go to New York. So that's kind of my take. Newman? I mean, my I just it just frustrates me. Like I was telling you guys, it was starting to remind me of the NBA. These players just forcing their way out. Like I know the money, the money has to work out, but you know the 49ers were recently in the Super Bowl. They were in the championship game last year. You got Tyree Kill, who recently won a Super Bowl, is playing with the best quarterback of this generation, and fucking Adams is playing with the most talented quarterback of all time, and he forces his way out. It's like, what the fuck are these guys doing? You clearly don't want to win. It's all about the money, which I get if the money has to work out that way, whatever, but like these players just, it frustrates me that they don't want to be on winning teams. I also just can't stand like, yeah, you want an extension. Well, that stinks. You're under contract. So fucking play it out. I mean, it makes sense for the teams to trade them away and get something in return. If you know, they're going to leave, but the whole, like, I don't want to be here. You have to trade me idea. I just don't agree with. I think, you know, sports is at the end of the day, a business, you sign a contract, you are obligated to fulfill that contract. You can't just go up to your boss at work and say, trade me to the competitor because I don't want to work here anymore. That's just not how it works. And I don't really like that culture in sports. I don't think, you know, I think the players should definitely have a voice. And if you're unhappy, then ask for a trade. But I mean, Debo Samuel is a guy who took to Instagram and social media defending Jimmy Garoppolo and saying how much he loved him and how much he loved playing with him as the starter in San Francisco. And now he's just ready to be gone. Uh, it just doesn't make much sense to me. I will say at least to kind of play devil's advocate and defend the players a little, like I, I feel like in every other league, it's if you're unhappy, you can play out the contract and then leave in free agency. But with the whole franchise tag and all this stuff, like you keep a player in your possession for two years with the franchise tag, if you really want them. And it's like, these guys may want to leave, but these teams just won't let them because, and I've, I've been a proponent of the franchise tag for a while. I think it's really stupid. Like player really has no say if he doesn't sign the franchise tag, he's just not playing football. But we saw how that worked out for Le'Veon Bell. It's just not a good situation. So it's like, you're kind of screwed in the playing for a team or a place that you really don't want to be. So I kind of understand why some of these like keep in like superstar players, they force their way out. And it's because like, they don't want to get franchise tag. They don't want to be stuck. They want to play where they want to play. So and that it's just play devil's advocate, not saying Devo's absolutely in the right or Tyree kills absolutely in the right. But I, I think the NFL needs to look at the franchise tag. At least and it's like, if they want to leave, let them leave. Like it's stupid that teams can franchise tag somebody twice and keep them around if they don't want to be there. No, I understand what you're saying, Dan, but to that point, like, you think about guys that have kind of forced their way out of situations like Tyreek Hill, 
And now, Debo, you think about, like, the team's success, obviously, as Newman mentioned, um, Hill playing with Mahomes, like, you're not going to get any better than that. It's like if it's one thing if you're on a shitty team and you're a really good player and you've proven that in the NFL, but Debo's been in the league, what, three years? And last year was by far his best year. Before that, he had trouble even staying healthy. So why is it – where's the incentive of a team to grant his wish when – you know, you really haven't proven yourself to be like that top-notch guy that should be able to choose where he wants to play. I guess that that's fair. Um, but like, at least for Debo, it's also like he carried the, the 49ers playing receiver, playing running back, like for sure. And for a lot of these guys, it's like, yeah, they want the money, but it's not so much about the money. It's just like, I'm the highest paid player. Like I'm the, the most, I'm the best receiver or whatever Debo wants to call himself, like the highest paid, I'm the best in the league. Cause like the, the Niners don't want to give him the money. And it's like, well, if you're not going to recognize me and make me one of the best receivers in the NFL, at least pay wise, like, do you really look at me as this valuable player? And that's where some of these guys are at. I mean, I know we're not really on the Adam Schefter train lately, but he did report that uh, the 49ers were, were ready and willing to pay him. And Debo was the one who stopped all talks. So I, I think that's interesting if that's true. Um, you know, maybe the, the number wasn't there, but, you know, it can't always be there. There has to be some sort of compromise. And I don't know, to me also, like, as a fan, you want some loyalty, right, to your team. You love these guys. You root for them every Sunday. And it stings a little bit when, you know, great players are like, ah, I just don't want to play for the city anymore. I want money elsewhere. It just I, I think it takes away a little bit between fans and players and that sort of not intimate relationship because obviously you don't know the players, but there is sort of an intimate relationship in the fact that, you know, you look forward to watching them, you you root for their success, you root for their health, you care about their personal lives, like things like that. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it kind of deteriorates the quality of, of sports as a whole from a fan standpoint, when players are just kind of dictating how everything goes. That's fair. Let's Newman, do you have anything to add or should we move on? No, that was just that was a good point. Oh, you're balls deep in your bagel, so <laughs> oh, I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll move into a little NBA playoff talk. Um in the East right now, 76ers and Miami both up 2-0. Um, Celtics and Bucks up one-nothing as well. Um, I guess we can start with 76ers first. Pretty much handed the Raptors their ass the first two games. Uh, looks like that series is all but over. I know Dan, very excited for that. Um, curious to know what you guys thought about Embiid telling Nick Nurse to stop begging for calls. Um, honestly, don't have much actually to think about it because I didn't see it. I know they kind of had a scuffle. I didn't really know what it was about. Didn't pay much attention to it. All I know is that the Raptors just don't have the talent that the Sixers do. So I'm not really even paying much attention to them, to be honest. I'm not. Um, I just the one thing I want to point out is I'm very disappointed in Connor and Evan for saying that the Raptors would win in seven. This thing looks like it's going out in four. Maybe they'll steal one at home, but uh, the Sixers just have way too much talent. Um, and I guess I really I have seen Nick Nurse kind of complain about the uh, the referees this series, um, but I think he's just doing that because his team is so lacking in talent this series and that's really the only thing that's going to get them through if they were to somehow miraculously win this series so i'm not sure if i'm remembering correctly but i feel like nurse and Embiid have previous um 
you know, discussions like that. Uh, I can't remember if that's true, but uh, yeah, I mean, how about Maxi really coming onto the scene? It really makes sense why they were unwilling to send him to Brooklyn now. Uh, he's a fucking beast. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say on that series either. Newman, anything from you? I mean, not really. I didn't really watch it. I mean, Maxie's playing better than Harden, looking at the numbers. And as, far as, the Embiid, as far as the Embiid thing goes, I mean, when you're that level of player, top of the top of the league, I don't give a shit. You can say whatever the hell you want. Add some personality to the league. It's a good thing, I think. I agree. Um, another team up to nothing, Miami on Atlanta. Pretty much same story as Philly, Toronto, Miami handedly beating them in both games. Um I got nothing else, really. I kind of thought Atlanta would make it a, a pretty interesting series, at least. Like, I know Miami's the one seed, but I thought Trey Young would pull some Trey Young things maybe in the playoffs and make it interesting. But it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I think Miami's too talented. Um, and it's just going to be another typical first-round matchup. I mean, I think Miami's just, like, they're such a smart team. Like, you got – when you have Duncan Robinson shooting eight for nine from three in game one, and then he plays seven minutes in game two, and Jimmy Butler scores 45 points, it's just hard to know, like, where they're going to attack you. It's just so impressive to watch their well-coached team. So, I think they're going to be – I believe I am in the finals. So, I think they'll be in the finals for sure. Yeah. Um, as for the other two series, Bucks and Celtics both play. Uh, Nets and – who are the Bucks playing tonight? Doesn't matter. Bulls, the Bulls. Yeah, but um, I think the Bucks will will win that series pretty easily. As for the Celtics, obviously the whole Kyrie drama. Um, I know Evan and I both took to Twitter about Kyrie, expressing our distaste for him. Um, any thoughts from you two on his bullshit antics? I did. I like. You can't say you want peace with the fans and like the fans should just kind of respect you. And then like when it's a sporting event, they're going to boo you. You're the opposing team in the playoffs to then flip them off. Like, I love that he flipped them off, but at the same time, you can't cry like in your press conference about it and all that stuff, how the fans are booing you. But like, I don't know. He's just kind of a baby when it comes to Celtics fans. He was a baby when it came to the Cavs fans. So like, it's nothing new with Kyrie. He's just a diva, but I don't know. That's all I really got. I, I, I think this is going to be a fun series. Um, obviously, we saw that with game one. So, I'll be excited to see what happens tonight. Yeah, but why is why is game two so late? Like, there's like the Phillies playing game three tonight. Why is why did Boston know. get like three days off? It makes no sense to me. I I was having my uh, talk with my roommate about this because I thought the um, Celtics would have played last night. But it's like something where they yeah. only want three games in a night. They don't want four or something like that. Unless but it's a I, weekend. I always thought it was like you play game one day off game two, and then you get like two days off or something like that when you have to switch cities. That's what I thought it used to be. But like here are the, the Sixers going one day rest and they're in Toronto already. So I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking just bullshit marketing by the NBA. Uh, but on the Kyrie front, I can't fucking stand the guy. Uh, just like, he thinks he's so much more important than everyone else and he can't handle any fucking criticism but he's totally okay making crying signals and middle fingers and telling people to eat his dick. Uh, that's totally okay with him, but nobody can say it back to him. He's just like a fucking elementary school bully. The second someone stands up to him, he fucking cowards into the corner. Uh, I hate Kyrie Irving. I hope Boston just beats the piss out of them. And I can't wait to see him 
fucking complain and complain and complain. I can't stand the guy. Um, on the Western side of things, a little more competitive. Three series tied at one. Mavs, Jazz, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, and Suns, Pelicans, which might be the most surprising of the three. And then Golden State is up 2 nothing on um, – who are they fucking playing? Nuggets, Denver. Nuggets, yes. Um, the only one that I was kind of interested in talking about, I think Golden State's going to handle Denver pretty easily. Um, they look really good. Uh, Suns Pelicans. I mean, nobody really beats the Suns for the Pelicans to beat them last night. I thought that was pretty impressive. You guys think there's any chance the Pelicans win another game in that series? No, I think uh, Brandon Ingram's heroics is only a one game thing, but what a game he had. And, you know, unlikely scoring has been the, the story of the Western Conference. Really, like Chris Paul in game one, you expect Devin Booker to be scoring all these points. Chris Paul drops 30. Talking Jalen Brunson drops 41 the other night without Luca. Yeah. So it's been those have been way more exciting to watch than the East, in my opinion. Uh, with, with that being said, about the uh, more exciting than to watch in the East, I feel like I've watched more uh, East playoffs and West playoffs, but that's probably just because of the whole time zone stuff. I know game starting at like eleven at night, but um, it, I don't think the, the Pelicans will win another game. I mean, maybe they'll pull it off. I, I think like what their head coach is from Phoenix or something like that. Billy Green, uh, I believe he was an assistant in Phoenix. Yeah, so, like, there's some familiarity. Maybe he just – he could steal another game because he knows the scheme, knows the players. But, like, it, the Sun should just be handling business. So. Yeah, I got an alert last night at, like, 1230. It was like, don't go to bed yet. Fourth quarter coming up. I was like, bro, it's fucking so <laughs> late. <laughs> um, if you guys have nothing else on the NBA – Kind of move into the NHL here, um, continue our discussion about the Western Conference. A week later, Kings are at 92 points, Stars are at 91 points, and then Vegas, Vancouver, both at 87. Um, I know Evan said he thought the Kings would miss. Kind of looks like that's going to be wrong, um, and it looks like Vegas or Vancouver. Um, it's only going to be one of them that has a shot. I, I don't see either of those teams making it, though. Newman? No, I agree. I think um, Vancouver's fate was sealed when they didn't pick up two points last night against Ottawa. Um, I think the, the latest stats has Vegas with a 21% chance and Vancouver at like 6%. So I think it's pretty much it's pretty much locked up where, where it is, which is good. I will, I'm glad to see the Kings back in the playoffs. And Dallas and Nashville are two, two teams that I think deserve to be in as well. So no complaints there. I, would, I love Vancouver, playing. Though, to be honest. What were you going to say? I'm a huge fan of Vancouver, so I'm kind of disappointed to see them miss. You're right, though. Ottawa's fantastic. They've been playing a great spoiler lately. They beat Boston. Um, I believe they beat Toronto the other night. And then, as you said, Newman, they beat Vancouver last night. Um, yeah, Vancouver, I mean, still, you got to be pretty happy with the way their season began to even have a shot at, you know, thinking you can make it. Um, obviously, Bruce Boudreau coming in. Uh, they had that big win streak. Um, so I, I think there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel for Vancouver fans. I would expect them to be definitely in the conversation next year. But I agree. It's good for good for the Kings to get back in. It's always nice when uh, those teams out in California make it because hockey is just so not popular out there. Um, it's good for the national stage to grow a little, a little fandom. Um, as we were talking about earlier, the Blues' nine-game win streak came to an end last night. 
um, to Boston. Boston finishes their season with four games out of six against playoff teams. I think there's a chance Washington could surpass Boston for the wild card one. You, you hope not. You don't want to go play Florida. Um, I think, honestly, the East is super interesting because you've got Tampa and Boston a point apart with the, the winner getting the, the honor of playing red hot Toronto. And meanwhile, Carolina and New York are tied at top of the Metro. You know, the winner gets either Boston or probably Tampa. And then the loser gets to play Pittsburgh who's three and seven in their last 10 and Jari is out for the foreseeable future. I'm wondering if the tankathon is going to start here with a week to go. Yeah. I don't think anyone wants to play Toronto right now. Uh, oh, breaking news. Booker is unlikely to play games three or four. What the fuck? Where are all these people going? Hamstring injury. So that could maybe turn the tides a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is kind of interesting, right? Like, how much are you playing for matchups? You know, do you want to win every game? I think teams like Boston, Tampa, Washington, you probably want to win any, any game you can right now. Um but teams like Carolina and New York already locked in. Definitely makes sense to maybe consider what's down the road for you. I didn't know Jari was out. Yeah, he's week to week. The Smith's in. I mean, I don't know. I'd rather play. Like, if you're Tampa or Boston, you'd rather play Carolina than take your chance with Toronto, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to play the Rangers, though. So if it's looking like that, <laughs> that's tough, too. I saw a, a funny tweet about Shostakin's last three shutouts. Uh, it was like, yeah, New York stomping all over President's Trophy finalists, uh, Detroit, Winnipeg, and some other shitbag team. <laughs> um, but yeah, a- any other NHL things you guys want to talk about? Not really much. Not really, Dan. But Newman, you have anything? Um, I think the only thing I could note was I think Vegas had a couple key games down the stretch that I was looking at that were big. Let me look. Um... Yeah, they played Dallas and St. Louis uh, down the stretch, their last two of their last three games. So those could prove big if they even have a shot. They probably have to finish, you know, five and five and one. They want to Dallas would be huge. That's a four point swing. Yeah, it would be huge. So it's definitely possible. Though Dallas has a game in hand, so we'll have to see. Uh we'll move over to the MLB pod moving very fast. Good things, good things. Uh, no Evan to, <laughs> to ramble on. Um, bigger surprise right now, Rock. I know it's so early, so early, but Rockies at eight and three, or Athletics at seven and five. Um, I'll go with the Rockies. Um, I think a lot of people when Trevor Story left, and then you bring in Chris Bryant, I think a lot of people are just we kind of talked about in the chat, like head scratching move, and a lot of people just said it's very confusing, like thought you were trying to lose type thing, and then here they come and they're what third place in the NL West, so. It looks like that division is going to be very competitive if the Rockies can kind of keep this up. But um, in terms of them being more surprising than the A's, at least the A's have money ball. Like they're going to have these random spurts of success throughout the season, maybe because it's money ball. They've just kind of turned nothing into something sometimes. So I'll definitely go with the Rockies. I think, I don't know. I think the Rockies benefit from playing at Coors Field, although like Connor Joe and CJ Crone are off to such hot stars that I don't think anyone's not coming. I think for the A's though, like what the fuck are they like their lineup? I'm looking at it. Kemp, Noose, Murphy, McKinney, Betancourt, Andrews, Brown, Pache, and Allen. I think I've only heard of three or four of those names. Like those guys are bums. And then they, they took it to the Rays last week. I think they won two games. It's like, 
I don't know, like they're near the top of the, the AL West right now. That's obviously not sustainable. Their, their pitching is terrible, but I think that's crazy how fast they've started. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Newman. I, I think we all kind of penciled Oakland in around 60 to 70 wins, which is pretty poor. Um, so they're already, they're what, fucking a ninth of the way there already um, after 12 games. Uh, it could be good for them, but I think it's just too early. Uh, but for the Rockies to be at the top of the NL West, I was like, what the fuck? A lot of good teams in the NL West, Dodgers, Giants, and Padres, I believe, all have eight, seven or eight wins. So um, maybe that'll be another competitive division again like last year. Uh, in the NL East, Braves and Phillies both under 500. Phillies more so at four and eight, Braves six and seven. Uh, any cause for concern for either of those teams? Um, I, I think for the Braves, they'll be fine. Uh, it's, it's still early and we just saw last night, they played the Dodgers. They look really well or really good. Uh, Max Freed for fantasy had a hell of a day on the mound. So, um, but for the Phillies, um, I mean, they, I don't feel like they have the benefit of the doubt. Like the Braves do like the Braves coming off the world series. They're still a very talented team. Um, and obviously the Phillies have a lot of talent on paper, but uh, four and eight, they just haven't really looked impressive. So. I have Reese Hopkins in or Hoskins in uh, fantasy. He's been crap. Uh, from what I've heard, Schwarber hasn't really been good since that first dinger. Um, and then obviously the pitching has always been a problem outside of the starters for Philly. So I don't know. It may be some concern, but it's, again, still early. Yeah, I think the Braves are going to be fine. I think they're doing some retooling in that rotation. Obviously, Freed and, and Lee and Anderson are really good. Um, but at the ball, like Spencer Strider will probably get into the rotation at some point. He's really talented. I know Dan has some in fantasy. Um, the Phillies are a little concerning. I mean, like Schwarber, like Dan said, has been struggling. Castellanos has been struggling. Bryson Stotts over his last 20, I think. And Zach Wheeler's below is way down. And so, I mean, if he can't put it together, they're screwed in that division, especially with the Mets coming out the way they have. I mean, it's going to be a Mets-Braves race at this point. I think I saw that the Mets rotation is has an ERA of 1.5, which is like the lowest ever in the first 10 games of a season, all without DeGrom. Uh, for the Braves, too, like you, you get Acuna back probably the end of April, early May. That'll be a huge jolt to the lineup. Um, but I agree, Phillies could be in some trouble if they can't uh, turn around early. It's, it's, it's a long season, but it is hard to dig out of a big hole early. Um, really puts a lot of pressure on you to perform for the rest of the year. Uh, and then lastly, a little AL East discussion, Sox, Yankees, Jays, all tied for first place at six and five, Rays at six and six. Um, I guess my question to you guys is, do you expect it to be this close all year? Um, definitely. I think all teams are talented. Um, I think all the teams kind of have some of like their own little flaws. Um, <laughs> I was having a discussion with my roommate, the Yankees fan. And uh, it was like, it, because everybody's going to beat up on each other in the AL East, like, is there a scenario where only one team makes the playoffs? Because the NL West, so those teams are doing really well. I don't think anyone else from the NL Central will make it, but like, I, I, there probably is a scenario where we see just a division winner from the AL East make it because they're just beating up on each other so much. So, um, but I, it definitely will be competitive the rest of the year. Like I said, everyone's talented. Um, I'm worried about the Sox and their bullpen. Obviously, statistically, they look good, but it seems as though they 
do it when our bats aren't working. And when our bats are working, they decide to let up runs too. So um, we'll just have to see how it goes the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be this close. I mean, like you said, every team has their weakness. The Yankees can't hit for shit right now. And, you know, the Sox are – the hitting is improving. Um, obviously, the back end of the bull – or the rotation has been bad. Rich Hill sucks. Um, but the Rays – like, even the Orioles, dude, they're 3-8, and eight, but they fucking took it to the Rays. They beat the Yankees twice. They beat the Brewers um, and kept it really close with them. So they're going to be a big spoiler this year, I think. I think they're better than people give them credit for, but – I'm going to the Sox game tonight. It's going to be um, Barrios against Pavetta. So that'll be pretty exciting, but we'll see. I think the bullpen, I mean, let's not put Barnes in the ninth, but I still think they're tinkering around with that a little bit, figuring out the roles. Yeah, uh, Garrett Cole, so far, 11 and a third inning, 12 strikeouts, 6.35 ERA, uh, and nice a 1.41 whip. He has not been very good. Um, but, yeah, I agree. All, all the teams have uh, their own weaknesses in different areas. I mean, Red Sox bullpen outside of Cutter Crawford really has been very, very good. Um, I can read the tweet real quick that I sent to the group chat earlier. Uh, Diekman, Robles, Strom, Valdez, Waka, and Whitlock have combined to post a .7 ERA, holding opponents to a, one point, a .103 average. That's over 38 and a third. They've given up three earned runs and only 13 hits and 126 at-bats. So, I mean, obviously they won't sustain that, but it's a very good sign to see that many guys starting really well. Um, obviously you can't have everyone pitch well all year, but I think the Red Sox bullpen, if they can just figure out, you know, where guys slide in later in games, uh, I, I think they could make it work kind of like they did last year. Not huge names, but you know, guys play a role. And if you play that role well, you can usually uh, find some success. I think something else, and this is probably going to be more towards like the middle of the summer, but like something that's going to help this group is if they can get sale back and he's healthy or just get another starter that's actually reliable. Cause I think the starts with Rich Hill are just not working. Um, obviously he's just getting pounded out there with his like 86 mile an hour fastball. Um, Pavetta did not look well against the twins. I think you need to add another arm, whether it is in the bullpen and just strengthen it, or you get sale back or maybe move Whitlock into the starting lineup. Um, I think adding another quality starter would actually help this bullpen a lot. I think Whitlock is just way too important for what he can do. I mean, what four innings against Detroit last week and only 38 pitches. Like he's just so fucking disgusting out of the bullpen and he can pitch in any situation. He had the save last night. So I think he's just way too valuable in the back end right now. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think the OG plan, like in spring training, was to put him in the rotation. But I mean, you're right; he was so valuable. Like these bulk innings he can give you in the the like this pitch, like the seventh and eighth or something, it's, it's so valuable that I think they're content waiting for Sale or or Paxton to get back before they you know make a move. I'm excited for Paxton uh, if he can return to anything close to what he was like. A three eight out of him would be perfect. Uh, you really just need to be Erod of last year, yeah, and he's just consistent, broke. eat up innings, keep you in games. So that's yeah. all I had for MLB. We'll move to the rant, which is me this week. Um, this is something that's really been irritating me a lot lately over the past, really like three to four weeks. Uh, it's the Boston Bruins and their fucking power play. Uh, they went 0 for 2 last night, so I, I think that puts them, like, 0 for their last 30. 
Um, I feel like 10 of those power plays have been killed by themselves, taking fucking penalties on the power play, which is despicable. You cannot take penalties on your own power play, especially when your power play sucks. But what is so annoying is they get into the zone every fucking time so easily. They enter so easily, and then they just turn it over, and then enter again and turn it over. They can't establish any sort of fucking rhythm. Uh, without Pasternak, they seem fucking lost. There's literally nobody existing over on that side of the ice where he usually plays. Um, Froden has actually looked good in that spot on the second unit. But first unit, Taylor Hall is basically a fucking traffic cone. Uh, he sucks. I can't stand the fucking guy. Um, people, they're just forcing passes into lanes that aren't open. Just, like, be fucking smart with the puck. If you have nothing, hold on to it. There is one less player on the ice on the other team. They're not going to take it from you. They're not coming after you. Just hold on to it. Stop turning it over. Um, and, like, for the Bruins, obviously the depth scoring has really come alive uh, since the start of the new year. But this is a team that typically relies very heavily on the power play to score goals for them, and they are not scoring goals at all on the power play. And they've lost, like Newman said, four out of their last six. So, they really need to figure it out come playoff time. You have a week or so left of the regular season to kind of fine tune that. Hopefully you get pasta back, but I'm so fucking sick. They're better killing penalties than they are on the power play right now in terms of scoring chances. It's so frustrating. I'm so sick of fucking watching shitty power plays, uh, but that's my rant. That was a quick two minutes. You should, uh, should come watch the Tampa games. It's a fucking work of art. It's a thing of beauty. They have a beautiful power play because they fucking – everybody's willing to shoot. Like, the thing about the Bruins is they don't shoot the puck enough. Just shoot the fucking thing. Throw it at the net. I was watching when, uh, Newman, when you and I were texting back and forth about that Minnesota game a couple of days ago when they played Dallas, they had like six, seven shots on every power play attempt or at least the prone pucks to the net, maybe not shots on goal, but – the more you get pucks in the net, the more goals you're going to score. Look at Chris Kreider. He fucking just stands there and tips pucks all day long, and he's got 52 fucking goals this year, half of them on the power play. Um, it's like you have Bergeron in front. He's a master at tipping the puck. Put fucking – put Taylor Hall in front. I don't know. Do something. Change it up. Um, I think Lindholm coming back would be helpful too. He was pretty good on the power play when they were going McAvoy, Lindholm, and then um, – Bergeron, Marshan, and Pasternak, that was a good unit, but it's just frustrating to watch lately. Yeah, I feel like power play is just such a streaky thing. When yeah, you, you have it or you don't, so as long as you have it come playoff time. Yep, uh, that's all I have for the pod today. You guys have anything else you want to add? No, so, uh, not really. Go Red Sox, but not Kike or Xander, because Dan has them both. <laughs> yeah. Got Sandy on the mound today. Alcantara? Yep. I also have Sandy, so I hope hope he throws really well, but Severino gives up like 20. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, Well, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, yeah. Peace. Peace. Put your tears away in the fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. But you ain't done yet Take the keys, leave the regrets Write your letters, place your bets I'll be the one who accepts